Uh, go ahead and, if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 11. We're going to be there again this week. Um, and hopefully, you know, as we've gone through the, the past couple of weeks, this has been a personal challenge for you. I mean, that's, that's how, you know, you want to start the new year with a personal challenge and, you know, stepping up into the, the things that God wants for you this year. And um, sometimes when, when you're challenged through a message or through, you know, something difficult or challenging, challenged by something challenging that God gives you, the, the hardest part can be, first off, just submitting to whatever God wants, right? Often that can be the hardest part, but once you do that, the next most difficult thing sometimes is, what do I do to fulfill what God has asked me to do? What practical steps do I do to, to take steps forward into to what God has for me this year. And so hopefully, in finishing this passage, we can see some of that and some of the opportunities that you guys have here at our church and in the well to, to fulfill your potential, to maybe you know explore some opportunities to serve, explore some opportunities to learn, or even you know help somebody else learn God's word and, and what he has for them this year. I mean, how awesome would it be if part of what he has for you this year is helping somebody else figure out their place with God. Amen. And that'd be an awesome, awesome accomplishment. And then they can go forward and, and do the same for somebody else. And so some of this stuff is very practical. Some of this stuff is very much uh, familiar territory, but it's all very critical. It's very important to all of us. And so we're going to get in and we're going to pick up in verse 25 um, of that passage. If you don't remember, um, a couple of weeks ago, we saw that the church in Jerusalem was hearing, they, they received word that there's a church in Antioch that had formed from some of the, the individuals that left when Saul was persecuting Christians. The time when Stephen died, he was stoned, and, and, and Saul was there, he witnessed the whole thing, right? And then after that time, the persecution got worse, and all kinds of people scattered, but the disciples, or the apostles, they stayed put in Jerusalem, right? Some people went to Antioch, some people went out into the, you know, some of the islands in the sea, uh, the Mediterranean, and, and so they start receiving word. There's people getting saved like crazy up in Antioch. So they decide, let's, let's send Barnabas. And last week we looked at why they sent Barnabas. Barnabas was a good man, right? There's, there's none good but the Lord Jesus Christ. There's none good but God the Father, right? There's none good but God. So if Barnabas was considered to be a good man, that means he was a godly man. Right? He, he was a man of righteousness. Another thing that was said of Barnabas was that he was full of the Holy Ghost. And, and we saw that being full of the Holy Ghost is not like, you know, this is a little more than half full. It meant, it means that he was fully submitted to the leading of the Holy Ghost. Right? God had full control of his life. All right? So he was full of the Holy Ghost, and it also said he was full of faith. So his faith in what God said, his confidence in God's word and God's direction was also in control of his life. Not his emotions, not his fears, not any of the other things that he had going on. What, what was in control of his life was the Holy Ghost and faith in what God said. So God's word and God's spirit were the driving force in Barnabas's life. And so we saw the first week that, that we want a purpose in our hearts to cleave to the Lord. We want to join him where he's at work. Wherever we see God at work, whether that's in me, looking in the mirror, if it's in you right next to me and I can help, 
or, or whether it's in, in a lost friend or coworker or neighbor or something, we want to find out if God's at work. The only way we can do that is if we open our mouths right, and introduce him to them or find out they've already met. Right? That, that is how we do it. We've got to open our mouths. And so they sent Barnabas to find out what was going on in Antioch. They sent Barnabas because he was qualified for the job. All right, and so we've been talking about joining the Lord at work, and tonight we're just going to talk about practically what does that mean, joining the Lord practically. So let's read in uh, verses 25 and 26. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus. Okay, so he was in Antioch for a time. He had charged them to cleave to the Lord, right, with all that they have. He said they w- he went to, to Tarsus for to seek Saul. So Paul has not changed his name yet. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, all right? So, so Barnabas knows, man, there's something going on. There's a big deal going on here in Antioch. I need some help. I'm going to go get Paul, bring him back. We're going to work together. And it says in verse 26, it says, When he had found him, he brought him unto, unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Two very short passages, two very short verses. Let's go ahead and ask the Lord to teach us something uh, awesome from these, these passages. Lord, uh, we are thankful for your word. We're thankful for the example that Barnabas uh, shows us. We're certainly thankful for the, the example that Paul is to all of us, uh, you know, a man who was violently against Christianity to the point of actually physically leading Christians to be murdered. Uh, Lord, is, is turned. If, if you can turn him and convince him and you can use him and there's none of us you can't do amazing things with. Um, Lord, we're thankful for that. And so I do pray tonight that you would help us to get this vision very practically. Help us to, to have tangible next steps that we can take so that we can grow and fulfill what you have for us in 2019. Lord, we, we do want to be used. We desperately want our friends to know you. And, and we desperately, desperately want to, to be a factor in each other's lives to, at the end of the year, we can look back and say, you know what, because of that guy, because of me, because of you, man, I'm closer to the Lord. Lord, we want to we wanna be able to say that we fulfilled our purpose this year. Uh, we love you. We're asking for this direction in, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so first off, the first thing that we see in uh, verse 26, after they come back together, we see that they join the Lord in his work. So your first blank is going to be work. This is what we've been talking about. It says, it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church, right? The whole purpose of the church is to carry out the work of the Lord, right? We know that. So if they're assembling themselves with the church, they're doing that for the purpose of fulfilling the mission. Uh, 1 Timothy 3.15 says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Right? So what happens at the church is this is the place where we hold God's truth. This is the, the place where we hold God's standard. This is the place where we actively live out what God's word says. Right? We, we, the church, the body of Christ, is the vehicle that God uses to carry forth his work. John 17, 4 
Jesus himself says, I have glorified thee on earth. He's talking to the Father. He says, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Right? And if we're going to join him, it would be a good idea to know what the work actually is so that we know what we're looking for, right? You say, well, I'm going to join the Lord and what he's working on. Well, how does he work? What does he do when he works? Well, what did he do when he was at work, when he was on earth? Let's look at that. And if you go to uh, John 17 sometime and look through John 17, there's, there's all these little phrases where it says, I have done this. I have this. I have that. And so we'll see a few of those. We just saw one in verse 4. He says, I have glorified thee on earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. We see it again in verse 6. And, and, and the, the, the first thing that we see is that the work of the Lord, it consists of evangelism. So John 17, 6, he says, I have manifested thy name. That's evangelism, right? Unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Matthew one twenty one says, And she shall bring forth a son, this is talking about Mary, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Right? That, that is the purpose, that is the work that he came to do. Matthew 18.11, For the Son of Man is come to save that which is lost. And 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. All right, and, and that's Paul saying that. And so if Paul is the chief of sinners, how awesome do you feel about yourself? Right? I mean, Paul could have been referring back to, you know, when he was, his B.C. days, before Christ, Paul did this, and Paul, you know, killed Christians and all that. But, but Paul, we know by, by reading Romans chapter 7, Paul was just not all that proud of himself. He was, man, I... I want to do the things that the Lord's telling me to do, but I don't do those things. And I, I don't want to do the things that my flesh wants to do, but I, but I find myself doing those things. Paul considered himself the chief of sinners. And that doesn't, that doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence in what my flesh can accomplish, as should be the response, right? So the first thing that we see, the work of the Lord consists of evangelism. The second thing, it, it, it consists of edification, Right, we're going to get the three E's in here in just a minute. John 17, again, verse 8, it says, For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. All right, And so he's giving them the words. He's, he's feeding them the word of God. They're growing. He's building them up. Edification is a, a, a word that comes, it, it's uh, related to the word edifice or a building, and we'll see that here in, in another verse. Acts 20, 32 says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, that's edification, and give you an inheritance among all of them which are sanctified. Right? He, the only way you're going to build somebody up is, you know, you could build up their ego. Is that going to help them out? Yeah. You're, just, you're just so awesome, man. Great, thanks. No, you build somebody up by feeding them the word of God, by, by instilling God's word into their life. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. All right, This is a verse that's commonly used by Calvinism. This is not what they're saying it says, though. Right? 
he knew who, he foreknew ahead of time who was going to choose him. Those who were going to choose him, he predestinated that those would be conformed to his image. Right? He knew who was going to choose him, so he had a plan for those who would choose him to, to conform them, to build them up. Right? Sometimes there, there needs to be a little tearing down first. Right? Sometimes he needs to remove some of who, who we are to put what he wants to be there. Right? He wants to conform us into his image, into the image of his son. Galatians 4.19 says, My little children, of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. Paul was ready and willing to go to any length to make sure that those he invested the gospel in who accepted Christ were going to get the full deal, right? Paul was not going to stop. He wasn't going to give up on anybody. He was going to keep investing God's word until they were formed like Christ. He was going to build them up, right? <coughs> Excuse me. And this is, this is serving the body, right? This is building into the lives of one another. This is discipleship goal number two, right? Does anybody know the, the three goals of discipleship? You know the second one? Um, is establish the disciple in the word of God and prayer. Yep, that's the first one. Establish the disciple in the worship and, no, and relationship within the body. Yes. And then the work of the ministry. Right, the work of the Lord. Right. So number two is, is building into the, the individual a connection to the church. Right? Connection to other believers. So here's, here's a couple of you know, questions. What tangible ways are you serving the church? And the church is not a physical building, right? It, it's the body of Christ, it's people. So how are you building the church? How am I building the church? Right? If it's people, who am I building into? Who am I investing in? What little things am I doing to serve? Each week we have, we have guys, you know, helping out with the sound equipment. We have a team up here leading us in worship. We have Mark kicking it at the, the greeting table, right, doing an awesome job. There's all kinds of little details and opportunities to serve. Those little things, man, they go a long way in making sure that other people have opportunities and not one person's doing all the work, right? We're, we're sharing the load. We're building one another up. We're we're doing the little things. And then you also have opportunities for discipleship. You have opportunities for Bible studies every other week, right? You have opportunities to show up here and we build the word of God into you. And let her see the third E of the work of the Lord is equipping, right? And, and obviously edification com- comes, you know, as part of this, but, but equipping is, is like the third goal of discipleship, right? It's establishing a disciple or an individual in the work of the Lord, actually repeating the cycle, right? Building into them so that they can build into somebody else so that they can build into somebody else. It's, it's not just building them up, it's sending them out, right? Sending us out into the world to, to impact and change the lives of others. John seventeen eight. here it is again, he says, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I, or I have also sent them into the world. Right, so the I haves, I have built into them the gospel, they're saved. I have established them in your word, and I have built them up to a point to where they can be sent out to do the same thing. John twenty twenty one. then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. 
Matthew 28, 19, part of the, one of the most famous Great Commission verses. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Right? He's sending us out. And then 2 Timothy 2, 2, all, or, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men. Right? You're looking for faithful men and women who shall be able to teach others also. What are they going to teach? They're going to teach what you teach them, right? They're going to teach what you edified them with. They're going to take those tools and those, those words of truth, and they're going to build them into somebody else. So the first thing, we've, we've been beating that drum. We're going to join the Lord at where he's at work. Well, what he's working on is evangelism, edification, and equipping. That is the work of the Lord. That's what he finished that's the work he finished that he came to do. Check out John 17 sometime in, in your free time. It's an awesome study. So the second thing that we see from this passage, first of all, we saw that they joined themselves at the church for a year. The second part says they taught much people. So we need to join the Lord in his word. Well, this is a little bit cyclical. This is a little bit repetitive. It's, that's kind of what you just said, exactly. Right? Letter A when we're in his word, first of all, you've got to start with learning. Right? You've, you've got to learn the word. Deuteronomy 4.10 says, Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb. When the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, and that they may teach their children. Amen. There's a first thing that we need to learn is the fear of the Lord. The only way you're going to learn the fear of the Lord is is getting into his word and seeing the almighty power of the Lord right. and, and the wisdom of the Lord and the foreknowledge of the Lord and his care for each of us individually. He's demanding that they spend time learning his word because it's going to help them out and help them avoid so many problems. Psalm 119, 71 to 73, it says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted. <laughs> That's what a statement. That I might learn thy statutes. You know what real life does? Real life reinforces God's word. Amen. If you don't know what God's word says, you'll miss it. He says, it's good for me that I've been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Amen. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. He's begging to learn the word of God. So that every and any instance that he experiences reinforces what God said in the first place. Amen. You miss the lesson if you don't know the word. Isaiah 26, 9, With my soul have I desired thee in the night, yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. That word early can mean early in the morning, and it can also mean earnestly. Just like Paul. I'm going to work my tail off to get that. Sometimes you work your tail off just to get up early, right? Sometimes that's the earnest effort, is just getting up. But it's a real effort. It says, for when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. That's an interesting way of putting that. Are people around me learning righteousness? Am I putting it out there? Am I learning God's statutes, God's ordinances and saying, I'm going to live by that, and that's what the world's going to see. They're going to learn righteousness by my actions, because my actions are going to match the word. Can't do that if you don't know it. 
Philippians 4.11, he says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. How do you learn to be content without the promises of God? How do you learn to be content without life experiencing or life experiences reinforcing God's word? Man, it's really hard to be content if you don't know that God's got it all under control. It's really hard to be content when everybody else seems to be getting theirs and and I just fall short. But I have promises. I have identity. I have I have a connection to the Lord. And He's all I care about. I'm learning to be content. The next thing you need to do when we're going to join the Lord in his word, first of all, you join him by learning. You, you've got to get in there. You've got to spend time with God. You've got to learn what he says. It does you no good if you don't do letter B, obey the word, right? Deuteronomy 5.1, And Moses called all Israel and said unto them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgments which I speak in your ears this day, that you may learn them, first of all, and keep and do them. Right? God doesn't want you to just know what righteousness is. He wants you to live righteous. Deuteronomy 11, 27, 28, a blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day, and a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which ye have not known. Right? He's, he's saying, look, if you, if you obey me, this is going to work out well for you. This is not God just putting hoops in front of you and, and you know, watch, watch the monkey dance, right? Look, look, just, just do what I told you to do. This is going to be my entertainment. No, God, we, we've talked about this before. God is moving the direction of righteousness. Amen. God is righteous. God is holy. And he's saying, man, you should join me this direction. This is righteousness. This is right. This is holy. All those other nations, man, they're, they're messing around. They're selfish. They're wicked. They're evil. And and there's consequences to what they're doing. Don't go their way. Come with me. Walk with me in, in righteousness. He's not just trying to make your life miserable because, you know, he's stolen all the fun and all the, all the things you want to do in your free time. He's, he's taking it away. Well, you know, the cosmic killjoy, right? I, I, I would be a Christian, but that just doesn't sound much fun. But God... Is, is moving in the direction of blessing and, and in the direction of peace and the direction of understanding and wisdom and, and the only wealth that actually matters, eternal life. Amen. But you do it your way. Deuteronomy 13, 4, he says, Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. Ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Romans 6.12, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. You're going to obey one or the other, aren't you? You're going to obey what you say is right or what you want to do or you're going to obey what God says. Sometimes they can match if you love what God says. But if you just love to fulfill the flesh and do what you want to do when you want to do it, he says, man, there's consequences for that. Don't go that way. And if we're going to join the Lord in his word, we also need to share it. Right? We, need to, we need to learn it, we need to obey it, and we need to share it. 
and, and we've come full circle to evangelism again. Second Thessalonians 1.8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the result of those who reject the gospel. Romans 10, 14 through 17, how then shall they call on him whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? How are they going to obey the gospel that they don't know? Right? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you're going to learn the word of God, you know he wants you to obey it, and as you obey it, part of obeying it is getting it to other people. Sharing the gospel is our responsibility. It's all through his word. And the third thing that we see in this passage, we see that we need to join the Lord in his work. We need to join the Lord in his word, and and we need to be joining the Lord in his worth. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Did you know there's only one name that is worthy? Amen. Right? The 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 meaning of the this title Christian was a derogatory term given to the believers in Antioch. First first and foremost, the name was given there, and it meant little Christs. You guys just think. You know, you, you're all acting like that Christ guy. <laughs> you're a bunch of Christians. And it, and it stuck. So the question you may want to ask yourself is, could I be rightly accused and properly carry the title? Christian. Are you actually acting like Christ? Because today, you know, you can fill out your your surveys and your forms, and you can say, I'm Caucasian, I'm Christian, I'm male, right? Am I Christian, or is that just my category because that's what my family was or is? And I'm not Muslim, and I'm not atheist. Is it just a box, or can you be rightly defined as God defines it? Right? They were first called Christian there because they started acting like the guys who were acting like Christ, right? Barnabas and Saul come in there, living this thing for real, full of the Holy Ghost, led by the Holy Ghost, led by faith, good, righteous men, and the result is they get mocked. See, there's only value in one name. And if your name matches that name, then you hold the value. Then you, you identify with the only name that has value. Acts 2.21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, you're identifying with the only name that has power to change eternity. There's only one. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Philippians 2, 10, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. One of these days, finally, 
justice will be served and every knee will hit the turf. Right. right? And it won't be in protest for or against their favorite cause. Every knee will hit the turf because Jesus Christ is King of, King, King of kings and Lord of lords. There's one name in heaven by which we must be saved. Colossians 3.17, Whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. If you do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, somebody's going to make fun of you. Somebody's going to give you a name. Is it Little Christ? That'd be all right. It might be worse. Who gets to rightfully claim the title Christian? Letter B, it's the unashamed of his name. That's, that's who gets to carry the title. That's why Barnabas was called that. That's why Saul was called that. That's why the disciples in Antioch were first called Christians. Because they were unashamed of Christ himself. Acts 15, 26, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What if it costs you something? Well, then you earn the name. Then, then you're rightfully a Christian. Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Romans 9.33, as it is written, behold, I lay in Sion, a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Right? This is talking long term. When, when you stand before Christ, you stand before the Lord, you'll have nothing to be ashamed of in, in respect to your salvation. Right? You'll, you'll have chosen him. Reject him and you'll only have shame. 2 Timothy 1.8, he says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Right? You identify with that name, there's going to be afflictions, there's going to be difficulties, but that's where the power lies. Amen. That's where he changes lives. With the gospel. Verse 12 of that same passage, for the, the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for not, I know whom I have, been, or I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. What did Paul commit? He committed his life. He gave it all. And he was convinced because of the promises of God that God was able and did keep his promise to keep Paul for eternity. The Lord give mercy, in verse 16, unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. First Peter 4, 16, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And if you get to suffer for the name of Christ, you've earned the title Christian. 1 John 2.28, Now, little children, abide in him, 
that when he, when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at him or before him at his coming. You see, they understood Barnabas and Saul. They need to join the Lord in his work. He is at work. He's, he's evangelizing. He's edifying. He's equipping. And they went to Antioch with that sole purpose in mind. They want to join the Lord where he's already doing something. They want to help this church grow so they can reach more people. The only way you're going to do that is also by joining him in a meaningful deep relationship yourself in his word. That you have to be growing with him as you walk with him. And you've got to also identify with the name, the only name. Matthew eleven twenty nine says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. What is his yoke? It's, it's the work of the Lord. If you're going to join him in his yoke, doing the work that he's doing, he says, it's all right, because I'll do all the heavy pulling. It's hard work, and you'll suffer, and people won't approve, but I'll do all the heavy pulling. Second Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Not only does not being ashamed have to do with what you're willing to stand for, it, it has to do with how hard you're willing to work. And we saw this a couple weeks ago, 1 Corinthians 15.10, and, and I was telling Jenny the other day, this is, this is, this is my verse for 2019, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He didn't waste it on me. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Right? Paul said, I am determined. I am going to outwork everybody else. It has nothing to do with anybody else. I'm just telling you, I'm given everything. And God's the one that multiplies the effort. And God's the one who gets credit for the results. Right? It wasn't Paul, it was the grace of God that was with him. And Hebrews 2.11, we'll finish with this. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all, one, all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them Brethren. Ask, ask yourself, can, can that be said of you? Can, can this be said of me? Can Christ say, based upon the actions of my life and the intentions of my heart, that he's not ashamed to call me his? It, it doesn't matter what I think of you. Right? It doesn't matter what other friends who, who don't know him think of you only matters what Christ thinks of you. Amen. Right? The only opinion that actually measures you is Christ's opinion. And can he unashamedly call you a brother or sister? It's a high calling. 
And, and, and this year, 2019, it, it's the year to get to work, right? It's the year we're not going to waste the grace that he's bestowed on us. It's the year we're not going to miss the opportunities that he's going to put in front of us. The only way we're going to find out is by opening our mouth, first of all, begging him for open doors. Begging him for open eyes so that we don't miss the open doors because we're busy. Whether that's true or not, we're busy, right? When we miss the easy, wide open stuff right in front of us because life is moving fast. We're going to beg God together here in the well to show us where he's at work. And, and we also have to open our mouths and, and introduce the Lord to people. Right? It's just too important to keep to ourselves. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we, we desperately want to be involved. It, it does require something from us. You don't need our effort to accomplish it. You need our hearts. You need willingness. You need submitted hearts. You're going to make up the difference anyway. Lord, I beg you for open doors. I beg you for places to serve individuals here in this body, to disciple people, to build them up, opportunities to reach into our community, opportunities to reach the Hispanic community right here, opportunities to reach our lost friends, opportunities to reach those who are struggling with addiction. Lord, I beg you for opportunities. I beg you for open eyes and boldness. And when we go to take steps through those doors, we know the enemy's going to try and stop us, and we need your help. We need your protection. We need your wisdom. Lord, help us to, to purpose in our hearts, to cleave to you in everything you're doing this year. I desperately want you to be able to say, unashamed, that I'm yours. I don't want to miss out on that. Lord, I love you. I love your word. I love these, these guys and gals in here. And just pray you use us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.